and welcome to Uplifting Humans, where we honor, empower, educate, and inspire the listener. I'm Solyndron Buller, your host. Our guest today is Dr. Liz Anderson Peacock. She was here previously and sharing her journey of walking through fear. So if you have uh, an opportunity, do tune into that segment. Uh, she is an author, a professional speaker, and practitioner. Liz brings a wealth of experience to many conversations. Happily married and a grandmother, believe it or not, to five kids. She's an active meditator, traveler, scuba, dry, scuba diver, and paddleboarder. She uh, professionally is a chiropractor who continues to see patients, writes, and volunteers in many capacities, both in and outside her profession. Today, she's here to share with us gratitude for our junk. Hi, Liz. <laughs> Hi. What an honor to be back. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so excited. And I know you do such beautiful work. And I said, oh, how could we not have you back again? And so honored and privileged to have you back on. So what do you have for us today? Well, I thought, you know, maybe as a segue from the last time I spoke about walking through fear, and one of the gifts for me was in rediscovering all these little things that I took for granted. And when I acknowledged them in my heart, even though they were little, they built. And when it was like a stepping stones and you kept taking a step forward each time. And I was thinking that for your listeners, it might be a good thing rather than focusing on the things that separate us by being in fear and the unknown and that scary place is what if we came together and became what we call more coherent and be thankful for all the things we do have. And so I was thinking about it uh, this morning, for example, I was up super early this morning, woke up early and just ready to go for a meditation. But before I got out of bed, I took a moment and I sat in my heart and I just sort of went, if I want to tune into this vibration of love and thankfulness, and some people will be already doing this through prayer. Some people will be doing this when they're maybe out for a walk. Well, maybe not walking now. I don't know. I live in sort of a, a rural area, so I can walk all I want. But, you know, when you can get into mother nature and be very, very present. And I was speaking to one of my coaching clients this morning on the exact same thing. And so it was this moment this morning that I went, oh, I'm ready to go, but I'm just sort of so glad I had such a great night's sleep. So you're focusing on the things that you're thankful for. Yeah. I was so ready to go. And I was like, you know, I have a bed to sleep in and that is awesome. And I was thinking as soon as my feet hit the floor, well, one foot, because <laughs> I'm an yeah. amputee and it was like, I'm putting on my other prosthetic and it's like, I am so thankful. I have this prosthetic that lets me get around. And, you know, I just sort of went on with my day and I, I, I even, you know, a few hours later after my meditation, the sun is coming up and well, it's actually blustery, but the, there was sun break, whatever day break. And I was like, what a beautiful silver sky and yeah. just took a moment to breathe it in. And what comes along is a male cardinal. So you've got that beautiful red bird and I'm just watching that bird. 
and I made myself a coffee. And rather than just drinking my coffee unconsciously, I kind of had my hands around the cup and I smelled it and I love a good smell of coffee. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. And I sipped it. And, you know, before I knew it, I'm sitting in my kitchen by myself with this like big, stupid, smiley face on. And I think that there is such an opportunity for us to focus on these little things that we have. If you have a meal and we can be taking a moment to be thankful for even, you know, the animal or the plant that died so that we could have it, right? And uh, it's that cycle of life. And, uh, you know, there, every day, I bet you there's more than a thousand things that we could be thankful for. And it's starting small and moving bigger. And it's a great exercise to have with kids because you can ask them to be what they're thankful for and you can give them hints, you know? So depending on the age, some kids might be, you know, I'm so thankful for when I was able to stand up, you know, when I was crawling and I stood up. Now they're not gonna necessarily remember that, but if you can inspire them to think when you used to crawl, what was your speed? And now that you can walk, what's your speed or run? It's taking that moment to breathe it in. And as parents, we get so excited when kids start crawling and we get so excited when kids start to stand and we get so excited when kids start to walk. Right. And it's remembering all of those moments. So this gratitude exercise is something that you can do with your children where you can sit in a circle or eye to eye one-on-one and you just sit there for 35, 45, 50 seconds, whatever minute and just say, I'm thankful for, and then repeat the things that you're thankful for. And I've done this with my, uh, my, well, my third middle granddaughter, who's seven, and we've done this quite a bit. And it's absolutely exquisite hearing what she's thankful for, and I get all warm and fuzzy. And then it's vice versa when I'm sharing what I'm thankful for. And so you end up what we call upregulating each other, and you motivate each other because you're actually dumping in the brain neurotox- uh, n- neurologically oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone. That's the hormone that makes us come together. Mm -hmm. And I would even suggest with some people, if you've got family or friends away from you, get on a Zoom call, do a five minute call, two minutes of, you know, I'm thankful for, and sometimes it's like, I'm thankful for when we were able to get out and do some, have a coffee or have a walk or whatever it might be and exchange that. If you're by yourself, do it in front of a mirror and it's called the mirror exercise, but it's an, a, it's a gratitude exercise and it really is about what you're thankful for. So the other day we did this on a, before a meditation and I had people come together in the zoom and just talk to themselves and I muted everybody. So we didn't have a lot of cacophony in the background, but you could, I could see the change in people's posture their skin lit up, their eyes went up, a smile came on their face. Some of them felt really silly. And it is really silly feeling when you talk to yourself in a mirror and you want to say it out loud because you're sort of pronouncing it and announcing it. And at the same time, it made us feel more connected. Even though we didn't even know what what each other was saying, it made us feel more connected. So what that lets us do is release that junk which is that chaotic mind chatter about wanting to define and control whatever's happening next and lower vibration if we're in fear or frustration or whatever it might be. 
And so I think that this is sort of a beautiful uh, segue into recognizing what we can focus on, that if we get off track, we can get back on track. And it may be that you're doing it first thing in the morning, or you're doing it two or three times during the day, or you're doing it before you go to bed, and then you get to, you know, snuggle into bed in a very different way. So I think it's really a key piece. And, you know, it also brings more compassion. And I just finished reading a book that came out in 2019 called Compassionomics. And it was very, very interesting because what they were finding is that there's actually better outcomes in healthcare when people are compassionate, when the healthcare team is compassionate, when patients are compassionate, which totally makes sense because we're going to be de-stressing and it's sort of like we're all in this together. And rather than focusing on the negative, it allows us to be focusing, I don't want to say on the positive, but on the things that we can be appreciative of. And that just settles us very differently in our heart. And I think that that's really a key piece right now with some of the messaging that's out there. The second thing that I think is important is that when I put my awareness on gratitude, then I see little acts of gratitude all day long. So acts of compassion, acts of kindness, because that is sort of the level of what I'm vibrating on. Or if you will, if you're looking at having a focus during the day, if it's on gratitude, then I start to see gratitude and I'll see it with the people I'm ex uh, you know, experiencing. I'll see it online. I'll, I'll, I, it's a different set of glasses that are put on. So I'm going to suggest do this for 90 seconds and set a timer if you need to. And remember that it doesn't have to be time-wise where we are right now. It could be something that we're grateful for from when we were a child. And it's like when I remembered how to tie my shoes or when I remembered, I was so grateful when I was first on a two-wheel you know, two bicycle and the first time I was able to dive into the water and it wasn't a belly flop, you know? I think those are those moments that we can kind of go back to as a child and go, you know, that's a way better thing to focus on than the other and see what that brings to you in your day. And I think that that's going to be really key. Yeah. So yeah, that's sort of what I would like to sort of say on that area of gratitude, I think. Yeah, you know, a couple of questions that pop into mind, and I'm speaking from experience, because I do have a gratitude process um, that I go through. And my, my thing is this, and maybe you can help me the, uh, with this, is that I leave my gratitude. Yes, I wake up with gratitude. And usually when I wake up with gratitude, it's after I've done my meditation and I'll have a few things just to be thankful for the day, the beautiful opportunity to yet again live another day and um, maybe appreciate the weather or whatever it may be. Um, but my real practice of gratitude um, at Liz is in the evening when I'm falling asleep. Now, lately, what's happened <laughs> is that I get, like, I'll start my gratitude process, and then for some reason, I just clonk right out. Now, I don't know, um, what would you advise for something, uh, something like that? And then is there a better way? Like, I know that some people say, hey, you should just do it whenever. Um, I mean, are there any statistics out there that proves any of this? Or I, I'm not sure. I actually couldn't even tell you the answer to that. I think that there, it's like many things. There's many ways of getting from point A to point B. 
And it could be that you're just so fatigued by the end of your day that you get so relaxed and in that warm and fuzzy zone that you're done. <laughs> That's not a bad thing because you're going to be in coherence as you're sleeping, which is going to be way more, I would think, way more restorative and recuperative because we want that what we call the parasympathetic nervous system really online. And that's the whole idea is we de-stress, get out of our stress response into the parasympathetics, which is growth and repair. Um, and, and an interesting piece, and this all comes from really Bruce Lipton's work in, in his book, Biology of Belief, is that a cell is either in the state of stress and defense or growth and repair. It cannot be in both at the same time. It's in one or the other. Mm -hmm. And I would say that many of us have been in stress and defense, and that can be a very adaptive thing if it's short term, right? It lets the body run away from the predator or uh, organize himself for a big speech and meeting. What's not good is that when that is moved along through time, that's a very exhaustive thing for the body. And that's one of the reasons why we'll often see People, as soon as they get a holiday, they get sick or they're, they work, work, work all week and then they get Saturday and Sunday off and Sunday morning they have the migraine. And it's sort of what uh, Hans Selye said is the general adaptive stress response. You have alarm, you have this middle phase and then you have an exhaustion phase and then you have recovery. So if you've gone too long and into exhaustion, that's when we are gonna be more susceptible to whatever comes along. So that is a really good point that if you're meditating and you're in that warm and fuzzy spot and you fall asleep, my suggestion is that you're in a really good parasympathetic tone, which is going to lead your cells more into growth and repair. And that, of course, is uh, that's a blessing. So I think that... Um, you know, if you were if you were really wanting to commit to doing gratitude exercises, I would certainly suggest you do it sitting up. It's harder to fall asleep when you're sitting up. And sometimes that's the last thing we want to do. So it all depends on, you know, what is the priority there. And I also recognize that you've got people here that when they get up, they go or they get up because the kids just jumped on their bed and they're yes. like having to fly, you know. But at the same time, you know, a couple of my grandkids is they would, uh, they would come into the room and we would kind of snuggle in bed and we would talk about what we're thankful for as well. And I also have some of my coaching clients we've recommended for them before they go, the kids go to bed when they're telling bedtime stories, it can be that they're looking for three to five things that they're happy for for the day, gratitude for for the day. And then the parent can expand upon that. So tell me, how, where do you feel that? How do you feel that? What made you feel like that? How could you make someone else feel like that? You know, so I think you can have a really wonderful conversation with a child that uh, is going to get their creative juices going and it upregulates them as well. Yeah, no, this is, this is awesome information for all the listeners out there and myself, because <laughs> I too, I'm a grandmother and yeah, I mean, you've done this for, for so long and, and the beauty of having you on the show is uh, you are able to articulate and explain what is actually happening behind the scenes in the body and uh, not having an understanding uh, of all that biological, uh, you know, component of what is actually happening. Um, it, it's nice and uh, refreshing to understand that. Would you say that uh, when someone is in that fight or flight mode, 
And how would one catch that? I know that there's many listeners, they ask me the same mm-hmm. question. I always say, you know what? As a yoga teacher, I would say, inhale really deep and don't let it out. Just right because it'll just relax you and then exhale and then do it again. Like don't right. react out of that state because then you'll be even more down that little hole. <laughs> right. So that's a great strategy. And I, I think the first thing is having the awareness that you're not feeling right. All of a sudden you feel like there's tension or you've held your breath or you feel stress or you feel it in your gut or you've got something is bringing something to your attention or you even hear yourself talking. You know, one of my coaching clients this morning feels like, oh my God, I just have been so frustrated all day and I was snapping at my husband and I'm like, and then I said, and, and then she said, and then I caught myself and I went, awesome. Because that's the key piece. It's not to beat yourself up. It's to catch yourself because usually we end up running a program out of habit. And the hard part is, you know, unwiring the nervous system from going like this. When A happens, we do B. When A happens, we do B. We want A to do C. So that's something different. And that takes conscious awareness, which is why a habit is so difficult to change. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is to have the awareness of how it shows up for you. For me, it definitely shows up with my tone of voice and it shows up with my tension. And then I'm in full agreement. I think breath is the easiest thing to reset with first and either doing that breath in and hold or you can do, and that might be the way to start. And then I think that the the other options with it is to get into that parasympathetic state, which means you're breathing in, you're pausing, and then you're slowly letting your breath out taking longer than your breath in. So it might be a breath in for four, pause at the top, breath out for six. And part of you wants to amp it up still, right? Like you just want to get going with it when you're under stress. And that's that fight or flight. And we want to do the opposite and settle it back down. Another option as you teach Kundalini is breath of fire. And I love the breath of fire because that is where you're forcibly breathing out and, and using your belly and then your breath in, your inhalation is automatic. And you can do that for 20, 30 seconds up to a minute. I would do it sitting. I'd do it on the floor so you don't pass out if you have, you know, if you've uh, blown off too much uh, CO2. Um, but I think that's another thing you can do as well. Um, I would say that for some people, they can also, that, are, that catch themselves, might be able to have a mantra that works for them. And a mantra it would be, again, just a phrase that you say that is meaningful for you that can settle you down. Or you could have a photograph that's a reset. I used to have that in my practice because one of the concerns I always had is if I have a patient that's having a really bad day here and they're downloading their day on you, it's not about me, they're just downloading their day. I wanna make sure that I don't take that energy to the next person. So I would have these little tricks that I would do. And some of it was just, you know, like the washing of the hands, which was very ritual to sort of shake off that energy. Other times I had beautiful sort of epitaphs on the walls where it was a phrase or a saying that I could look at and it would instantly reset me. Plus it would reset patients because they were reflective phrases, or it would be a photograph that I would have that had meaning as well. So I think that all of those are, things that people can do um, 
Now, even within a day, before we had a lot of cell phones, when we still had telephones, one of the things I used to do with a lot of my business clients is I would say, every time your phone rings, stand up to answer it because you're physiologically changing your posture. And one of the things we know, and this is one of the reasons why yoga works really well, is that when you extend your spine and your hips, you actually stimulate a little ganglion at the back of the spinal cord, and it's called the dorsal root ganglion, and it's a sensory system. It's where the system comes in the spinal column up to the brain. And in stimulating that, you're actually releasing endorphins, and the endorphins are those chemicals that make us feel well from the inside out. So it's really interesting in some studies that they've had people that have mild to moderate depression do really well with doing and they get to the class and uh, they are extending the spine. When when you have uh, the same thing too with people that are walking, you're extending the spine. And when you see people that are depressed, what's the posture? Flexion. When you see people that are inspired, you kind of see the opposite, the extension. So I think that that's really key. And that's a really good piece right now for people to be making sure you get into some extension. And uh, even if you're laying on the floor and you're doing Supermans or you're doing a downward dog, an upward dog, those kinds of things I think are really, really important to be doing. Wow. Just a wealth of knowledge. You know, I can, I can never get enough of you. <laughs> it's, it's always, it's always something else that, you know, another nugget to, to, to take and put in my toolkit to pass along to people. So yeah, I am so, so grateful for you. Dr. Liz, I am so grateful for you to be here and for you to pass on all this beautiful um, knowledge and understanding that you have about the body and about um, what we can do to better prepare for those situations which are a little bit challenging, a little out of our controls, Mm -hmm. like uh, what we're going through right now. Now, I know that you had said that you read that... um, uh, the, the compassionate book or the compassion book, whatever that was. Compassionomics. I would like, yeah. Compassion on it. Compassionomics. Oh, that's yes. a great book. Um, now in there, like for me, um, to have compassion is the equivalent to have gratitude, is the equivalent to have joy. Now, did they have any sort of measurements? Like, do they all run hand in hand? Like if you're more grateful, then you're going to be more compassionate. You're going to be more compassionate. You're going to be more joyful. Like, did they have anything or do you have an understanding of any of that? Um, They did. They weren't really in that other than it was, um, how do I want to phrase it? The... It was, yeah, it was really that centered piece. You know what I would say without using that language, that's what they were finding is that when you were in gratitude, there was more appreciation, there was more respect, there was more um, wholeness, right? Because as we dump oxytocin, that bonding hormone, uh, which is that hormone that people will be aware of when you first have a child or if you have a dog, dogs are very interesting is that when a dog looks at you and you look at a dog, you are producing oxytocin and the dog is producing oxytocin as well, the bonding hormone. So I think that's really key, but there's actually something that I've been thinking of for a while. And I think that this is, to me, it's significant in the difference that I like to make a distinction between empathy and compassion. 
And to me, empathy is when you're in the feeling with the other person, Mm -hmm. you're in that experience with them versus compassion is that you are having an experience of recognizing what the other person is going in, engaging them, but there's still a separate piece to that. So for example, in healthcare, I often talk to some of my colleagues and I say, I'm not sure if we could do a very good job with our patients if we're in the experience with them, because we need to still be able to observe the experience to assist and to help move their energy to a different place. But we can certainly be compassionate with them. And so another example I can give you is I'm a Star Trek fan. (laughs) And so when the series was out with Deanna Troy and she was an empath, often when she would come up to a very strong emotion, she would almost become ineffective because she would get caught in that emotion and almost paralyzed by it. Hmm. And that's sort of that example. And if I look at someone like Mother Teresa, who was compassionate and could always give and was receiving in a different way with the way she was helping, you know, you know, the people that she was helping, I think that there was, uh, there was no loss of energy from her standpoint. And I think that's really the key piece is that compassion, there's no loss of energy because you're giving energy, but you're also, the other person is upregulating and you, believe it or not, you're receiving energy back as well. Wow. Wow. That's a, a beautiful example of that because I think that that really hits home for, for, for all the listeners out there. Um, now, you know, as much as I know and have known you for so long, I had no idea you were counseling and coaching. <laughs> I'm not counseling. I'm coaching. Coaching. Yes. Yes. Share with us. Share with the audience. Um, I've been doing this for a while and I'm trained in the cooperative model of coaching. So the idea here is that we build on people's strengths and so that there's more creativity and more resourcefulness. And, you know, I come from this perspective that we are far more creative and resourceful than we've ever been led to believe. The key is, is unraveling and unpacking a number of things. And it's not, in my mind, it's not to wallow in that stuff. It's a matter of building on the things that you can do and where you can start and move yourself forward that way. I think that's sort of the simplest way of putting it. Wow. And isn't that great? Now, if someone wanted as a listener out there to reach out to you, or is this just a small group that you're coaching or can they, do they have the ability if they want to work with you? Yeah, absolutely. Like on my website, I have actually a 90 day program and it's called move to mastery and it's self-directed. It's very, very basic. So it's nothing that's really tough. I mean, we have even in there, we have um, meditations and I start off with some people for a minute because that's about it, <laughs> you know, yeah. and we work our way up from there. And, uh, and it's kind of a fun thing to do. And I do personal coaching as well, one-on-one. I do limited numbers because I, um, I only have so much time and I don't want to be overwhelmed by that. And I like to work on specific goals where it's going from point A to point B. So I don't necessarily want a program that is going to be moving people out for years. I'm more interested in point A to point B because my philosophy with coaching is along the lines of once you learn how to do it and you apply it, then you should, if I've taught you right or coached you right, then you should be able to birth what you need to do from the inside out. Oh, beautiful. Just beautiful. So when, when is the book coming out now? 
Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I have, you know what? I'm, I keep downloading still some more information and I thought I was going to have it done uh, in June, but I keep, I, this space that we've been given right now, although I'm super busy, I'm more creative because it's a different kind of busy yes. and I keep downloading more things that's not ready yet. And I'm going to have to start, you know, pushing things out of it that were, when I started writing it, I thought that was really important. And now when I read it, it's like, nah, that's get that, get that out of there. Um, but <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But no, you know what? I'll be honest. I mean, you, the biggest critic that you have is yourself. So Absolutely. if, yeah. And so if you keep going at it and ah, no, this isn't good enough. Ah, this isn't good enough. Guess what? There's people like us waiting out here. This is not fair. Not fair. Okay. Just... <laughs> I hear you. And I will say too, it's not that it's not good enough. I would say it doesn't resonate with me. Oh, and uh, I like to call myself, I like to call myself a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Well, we're so going to help more, you along with that. <laughs> yeah, it's more about mastery and excellence and, you know, all of that. But yeah, I definitely won't be waiting till it's perfect because otherwise it would never get done. <laughs> yes, no, that's, that's great. And we so, so appreciate all the work and all the wisdom that you're passing along because you know what it takes uh, a special kind of person to be able to share that not everyone uh, is in a position to share whether it's uh, uh, them coming over uh, overcoming themselves <clears throat> or not having uh, the language uh, that uh, they feel is is needed to be able to communicate something so beautifully the way that you do. So there is uh, the end of our show. I know it's a, a smaller segment this time, and it's because uh, I so honor, uh, you know, Liz's time, and I know that she's an amazing, amazing person. We will definitely have her back on again. Is there anything else that you would love to share before uh, we exit out of today's episode. I would like to share that for everyone that, again, I've already mentioned it, but I would like you to consider something that you have achieved for yourself in your life. And it may be, you know, you brushed your teeth yesterday <laughs> and I want, and, but, and you've done it, you did a great job with brushing your teeth or whatever it might be, but I want something small and I want you to sit in the juiciness of that on being present with how that felt when you did it, all right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that might be just a kind of a nice little exploratory exercise where you are your own laboratory in your life and get a silly smile on your face and just reflect on it and, and, and hold that in your heart and then see what comes up for you from there. Yeah, no, that's very well put. Thank you so much. It's in the little things in life that you really can build upon and so, so well said. And you know what? Thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart and from all our listeners out there. I'm Solyndran Buller, your host of Uplifting Humans, where we honor, empower, educate, and inspire the listener with real stories and expert advice. Thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to you sharing all of this information and please stop by. Have a wonderful day.